Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Alice Riccardi. Alice is a uh, is the co-owner and director of teachers at Portland Power Yoga in Portland, Maine. She's also a certified Baptiste Power Vinyasa Yoga teacher. She's a certified Yoga Alliance teacher. And she's also an Alexander Technique teacher. And we're going to talk today about how the Alexander Technique, the ideas, the principles of the Alexander Technique, uh, can be helpful to someone who's a yoga practitioner or indeed a, a yoga instructor. Alice, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm glad to, I'm glad to have you on the show today. Uh, could you could you begin, Alice, by giving our listeners a, just a very short uh, description of the Alexander Technique? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Alexander Technique really helps people to better understand the way the body and the mind were meant to work together to provide ease of movement and decrease nervous tension. Right. And um, could you then, could we just go on from that? Uh, before we get into more details, how in general is that going to be useful for people who are uh, practicing or teaching yoga? Uh, Very useful. A lot of people who come into yoga, of course, are brand new to yoga and may not have any relationship to understanding a kinesthetic feeling in their body. Um, A lot of people come in who have a lot of knowledge of what we call yoga asana or poses, Mm -hmm. but they don't really understand how their thinking can actually provide them with a deeper experience of the next stage of where they want to get to in their practice. So they're kind of caught. The beginners kind of don't know where to put their body parts Mm-hmm. And so the Alexander Technique helps with that. It helps them to understand that there's a different kind of relationship that they can begin to discover. And then the more experienced practitioners can use the Alexander Techniques or the discipline of the Alexander Technique to then further deepen their practice and their understanding of their body. So it's a win-win situation for both beginners and more experienced students. Mm-hmm. And um, just to follow up on your point about kinesthetic feeling, and you, you, you said that often newcomers to yoga um, don't have that properly developed, I think you said, or something along those lines. Correct, yeah. Um, could I, I guess the obvious question someone doing yoga might ask, well, what exactly do you mean by that? I I can feel what I'm doing, um, what, what, what could be missing from that? Uh, it's a good question. I kind of describe the kinesthetic sense as um, what allows us to be able to touch our nose with our eyes closed. So a lot of people think that understanding movement has to come from them specifically initiating it in a certain way, like I move my arm as opposed to thinking other things that might help them to feel their arm moving, but not necessarily engage their thinking to move their arm in a certain way. So it starts to open up their availability to understand that kinesthetic is really about a feeling sense as well as thinking. Mm -hmm. 
And um, to hearken back, I guess, to one of uh, F. Matthias Alexander's major discoveries, and he, he was the developer of the Alexander Technique, in his own early experience, and, and I think it's fair to say in the early experience of just about anyone who studies the technique today, um, one of the things you discover is that what you feel, can, uh, what you feel you're doing may not have a lot of relationship to what you actually are doing. Yes, it's very true. And a lot of the work that I do in class, not only in the larger classes that I teach, but in the smaller classes. One of the smaller classes I offer is actually called the hands-on laboratory, and it's confined, um, limited to um, five or less students. And one of the ways to get people to really understand that, of course, in the tradition of how Alexander lessons are presented is actually to get my hands on them, to help them realize that there are certain ways that they've been doing the poses that have become habits. Mm-hmm. Just just like we develop habits in our everyday life in relationship to sitting and standing and walking and brushing our teeth, yoga practitioners develop uh, sometimes very uh, solidified habits in terms of what they think is the right quote-unquote posture. And so they're end-gaining as opposed to understanding, I mean, we're using Alexander terminology now, they're end-gaining, trying to find a certain pose or a feeling in a pose rather than understanding the means whereby the process in which that pose may actually manifest over time. And so they begin to get more of a deeper sense of through hands-on and through proper instruction, how they can then proceed in regard to their asana or their yoga, yoga poses. Mm-hmm. So they can basically um, learn how to do those poses more in the spirit with of with from which those poses originated i assume absolutely yeah exactly yoga was meant to be a uh, study into again a deeper kinesthetic understanding um mm-hmm. what we might call the proprioceptive system you know our body's ability to understand itself and movement in relationship to the space around us. And in yoga, we talk a lot about the energy or the source principle as helping with that understanding. I think um, Alexander would have called it gravity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> understanding mm-hmm. how gravity works in regard to movement and understanding how when we think through things in a specific way, we can connect with that and it makes the movement so much easier. So much easier. Yeah. And well, I I, um, I have very little experience with yoga myself, but mm-hmm. in general, um, that is one of the great uh, benefits of taking Alexander Technique lessons is that whatever you're doing, whether it's yoga or Tai Chi or, as you say, brushing your teeth or going for a walk or whatever, um, you learn that it's possible to do the, all those things a lot with less stress, a lot easier, and uh, with less chance of of injury, which brings me to uh, another point, which is I I have had students uh, occasionally Mm. who have injured themselves uh, in as part of their yoga uh, Mm. practice. Could you uh, talk a little bit about that, why that might be, and how the technique could help prevent that? Certainly, there could be Uh, two reasons that come to mind. One of them is that they're just pushing too hard. 
um, a lot of yoga today is quite vigorous and uh, a lot of people come into it wanting to get better at it is or getting better at it and so they push a little bit too hard and they go past the point of what is capable for their body and of course they would injure themselves that's number one number two is that they don't understand or have not been educated in regard to what in the alexander technique we call the primary relationship the head the neck and the torso and how that works when we're thinking in an integrated fashion, how that opens us up into understanding how the rest of our body moves. And so when we can focus on that, there is actually a lot less chance for injury because we're working with a deeper sense of the core essence of how movement takes place. A lot of injury takes place, at least uh, how I see it, because people are working the overworking the extremities and falling into the joint systems, the knees, the elbows, the hip sockets. And when we turn that around and we focus more on the integrated relationship of the neck, the head, and the back, and how that's first and foremost, it's amazing how many people begin to either recover from injury or totally eliminate injuries that they've had when they're working more with that particular focus, which is the Alexander Technique in essence. Yeah, and and just to maybe help clarify that a little little for listeners who are, are not familiar with the technique, that head neck uh, upper torso or head neck back relationship that you're referring to, if you're not you if you're not using that well, if for example classically if you tense or tighten your neck in order to to do something like uh, a, a, a yoga pose. You're not only going to be tightening your neck, but you're almost certainly going to be compressing your whole body in some way. And obviously, I, I would imagine that the basic ideas of yoga are to um, have an expansive body that can move freely and do whatever it does freely. So in, in effect, you're kind of fighting the yoga process. Would you see it that way or do you have a different take on that? No, I think that's very well said and recognized very accurately. And uh, classically speaking, if any of your listeners are familiar with yoga, there's a pose that many yogis do called down dog pose. And it's a upside down V-shape in which people are resting on their hands and their feet. And classically, or what comes from a more classic style or a more traditional traditional style is that the, there's a lot of pushing at the base of the skull. And there's a lot of tension that's occurring through the neck and through the base of the skull, which in turn contracts and compresses the spine and the shoulder blades. And so a lot of yogis end up over time um, beginning to hate down dog mm -hmm. as a result and need to avoid it. But with some simple adjustments and some understandings, as you're pointing out, of letting go of the neck, letting go of the pressure of the head on top of the spine, that expansive nature, that kind of what we call uh, in the trade, the stretch reflex or the antagonistic pull of the muscles just begins to happen naturally. And many yogis say, oh, well, that's so much easier or um, that feels like I'm doing less. There's less effort involved. And that's what really exactly, as you, as you stated, what we're after in yoga, the ease, the lightness, 
the freedom and then we want to be able to bring that into our everyday life because that's really what yoga is about just as much as the Alexander technique is. How do we bring that ease into our everyday existence? Mm -hmm. And do, um, do you think that part of the issue or maybe related to the issues you've talked about before is that yoga has been um, brought to the West from a from a culture, I, I assume the Indian subcontinent, basically, where maybe the original practitioners or people who developed it um, had, in fact, better better use of their bodies to start with, maybe more flexibility than you see in the West, and so that. When you take a system from one culture to another, um, you, maybe there's some sort of retraining that has to take place for it to really be properly tra uh, transferred. Yes, exactly. And uh, at Portland Power Yoga, we talk about that a lot, that Westerners, very different from Easterners, where yoga originated in India, in parts of the East, uh, Certainly, there's a lot of different relationships to how they sit and stand. Uh, they squat a lot. Mm -hmm. There's there's a whole different array of uh, relationship to the stimulus of life. And so, meaning, you know, originally, it was a lot easier in terms of what was happening in their environment. Uh, so here, it's very different. People sit a lot. They do a lot of work at the computer. They're using a mouse, the more subtle or delicate bones of the wrists and the arms and that can cause a lot of strain in people's shoulders and so a lot of the traditional alignment as you're saying really does not apply to us in our western culture mm -hmm. at all mm -hmm. yeah and if we could just um switch gears a little bit and and talk to people who are yoga instructors um is it your ex experience you you've been at this for a number of years is it your experience that most yoga instructors are aware of the kind of issues we've been talking about? Yes, there are some. There are some that are aware of that. Um, I have a handful of them that I've talked to about this, and they come to it after years and years of exploration and seeing people uh, injuring themselves or actually dropping out of their yoga discipline entirely because it just is not working for them physically because mm -hmm. they're developing so much strain and tension as many people would do in their everyday life if they have some kind of activity, activity that they repeat over and over again. I can say um, that it would benefit a lot of yoga instructors to uh, explore the Alexander Technique, maybe get some lessons. Um, at our studio, I give the teachers lessons uh, on a semi-regular basis so that they can really understand what it's what how it is happening for them in their bodies in their experience so that then they're able to explain it better to their students i think it's a very very useful tool mm -hmm. and it, it it kind of relates to a point that uh, one of my main alexander teachers uh, marjorie barstow used to mm -hmm. talk about <laughs> which is that um it's one thing to be an instructor of a particular skill, let's say swimming or in what we're talking about today, yoga or piano or whatever. And it's another thing to be skilled at helping people to, um, to, Im 
to improve their overall coordination, mm. which is a bit what the Alexander technique is about. You you don't you wouldn't normally expect those two to be combined in in one person. It would be a bit much to expect that. But on the other hand, if the if the person who is teaching the skill isn't at least sensitive to those coordination issues um it it does i i from what i've seen slow down the learning process lead to some extra bumps in the road for students maybe in some circumstances cause injuries or maybe just cause people to drop out of the program absolutely there's um a quote from the description of the hands-on laboratory that I teach that says uh, the misunderstanding in association with body use is one of the main causes for loss of agility and hence injury. And also if people are unaware of their body's own creative learning abilities, then we can actually become resistant to change Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because we get kind of stuck in this, well, I just don't know what to do next and this is the way it's going to be. And so that kind of mindset actually begins to settle into the muscle tissue, the nervous system, and then creates a whole other issue of problems that relate to, I think, Alexander called aging. <laughs> right, yeah. And, and um, I mean, that ties in with one of the first things you said in the interview, which is that, that often pe- one of the causes for injuries is people pushing pushing yes. hard yeah and of course that's a very um 21st 20th century western Correct. idea that to accomplish something you have to work hard to do that mm. and of course you do have to put some energy into learning a new skill but to actually push hard with your body no pain no gain probably isn't the best strategy for learning a skill like yoga. No, absolutely not. I would think. Really I mean, as, as an outsider, it just strikes me that, that that probably is not the way to go. No, it isn't. And when I'm teaching yoga, either in the larger class format or in the smaller class format, one of the major instructions for people or that I give to people is that they want to begin to use their thinking a little more actively Mm -hmm. because a lot of times what happens is people we learn something and then we in the classic Alexander terminology we kind of habituate into what we're doing we kind of harden into almost a mechanistic way of moving from knowing from thinking that we're knowing what we're doing and so I tell people slow down a little bit begin to soften a little bit more through the base of the skull and just relax the neck a little bit and they'll have to slow down and nine times out of ten the student will say to me but I really need to think in order to do that Mm -hmm. and I think that that's an interesting um, commentary on even where yoga has gotten to in this very modern day contemporary fast-moving culture that's something that originally was meant to slow down the processing of the nervous system and help to integrate the nervous system into the body is now just contributing <laughs> to the thing that we're trying to avoid, which is nervous tension and a sense of reactivity. And so it's interesting to see that really in 
the best way possible, the Alexander technique, if anything, gets people to slow down a little bit more and actually begin to think about what they're doing, which can only provide benefit. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Alice, is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like to uh, mention before we bring the interview to an end? Um, One thing that I would like to cover is that um, in Alexander lessons, and now we're stepping away a little bit from the um, yoga world itself, but if people are interested in Alexander lessons and they do have Alexander lessons, what I'd like to say as an Alexander teacher is never underestimate the process of your lie downs. Mm-hmm. Well, lying, well, yes, and and just to explain what that's about in in a, a kind of a, um, a feature of most Alexander technique or many Alexander technique lessons, or a pro, and a process that that teachers encourage their students to do on their own, is to lie down um, in, on a firm surface, knees elevated, some support under your head, and there are all kinds of reasons why that's useful, which we don't really have time to go in today, into today, but um, that is an extraordinarily powerful process. It may seem like you're doing nothing, and, and in some ways that's true, but you're doing, you're let, you're encouraging all the right kind of releases in your in your body. Um, yes, exactly, and, and yeah. that, and that if people are practicing yoga that they begin to slow down in that in that way too that they begin to think a little bit more mm-hmm. um not that they're not thinking to begin with but to really engage in what it is that they're after in terms of the result of their yoga practice mm-hmm. and just s- slow down a little bit and begin to uh, be a little more interested in that process, and I think it will. Uh, you you will reap benefits from that, even if you don't understand anything about the Alexander technique per se. Just start there, and mm-hmm. it will be a ter- tr- tremendous opening into a whole new way of practicing your yoga. Uh, absolutely, the the Alexander lying down process can be helpful for for just about anybody if it's done <laughs> done well. You don't even have to have Alexander lessons to benefit from it. I uh, know. Uh, yes, it's, it's incredible powerful and simple, uh, deceptively simple yes, exactly. uh, process. And uh, I guess one other thing I might we might want to just briefly touch on, uh, obviously the majority of Alexander uh, teachers are, are not yoga practitioners. Um, if, if, if someone is a yoga practitioner or, or teacher or, or student of yoga and they want to explore what we've been talking about, um, is should they worry if their teacher is knows nothing about <laughs> yoga? <laughs> That's a very good question. Um, no, <laughs> I you know I think that it's always good to find out what kind of educational background your teacher has. We always tell our students ask lots of questions sure. of your teachers. Mm-hmm. Know exactly what it is they're interested in in terms of understanding or teaching alignment. Mm-hmm. understanding how the body works. Do they have a basic background of knowledge about movement? Mm-hmm. Of course, that's a good thing to know. Um, but just enjoying the process and uh, knowing that some good will come of it if you also engage in it 
personally. Like you, you will be able to get something from it if you don't just kind of blindly um, do exactly everything maybe that the teacher is asking you to do, but you slow down and listen to what it, what's important in your body as well as what the teacher is asking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for, I, I guess the, the analogy might be that most Alexander Technique teachers are not musicians, but most of us do a lot of work with musicians. So I, 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 I think that's, you don't have to be, uh, your, your instructor doesn't have to know a lot about the specific activity you're doing to help you. Yeah. I guess that's kind of the bottom line as long as they uh, are, as you say, trained properly in the, in the Alexander technique. And um, my teacher, um, maybe a final word, my teacher, Ted Diamond, um, says that not everybody does the Alexander technique. And there was a world that was here before the Alexander technique and people seem to be working just Mm -hmm. fine before that. And so it's a choice and it's a powerful choice to actually investigate it and find out for yourself. But you can also live a perfectly normal life (laughs) uh, without it, you know? So I just want to make that clear as well. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, if anything, um, I think on that note might be a good, a good place to end the conversation. But if, yeah. if anyone anyone listening wants to explore um, the Alexander Technique, uh, if, certainly if you live in Portland, Maine or vicinity, we'll put a link to Alice's uh, uh, website there. And if you live anywhere else, we'll put a link to a site where you can find a teacher in your area and... Uh, Take, take a class, take a group class if, you, if that's available. Uh, maybe do a little reading, uh, do a little research on the web. You might find that the, the Alexander Technique holds some pretty, pretty powerful benefits uh, in store for you. Alice, uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you.